Hi there. Welcome to the Spot Actor Podcast. I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Today we're discussing the toxic effects of mold on your skin and your health and how mold can actually make you feel crazy, lazy, and hazy. Now, I know that might sound strange, but mold actually could be lingering in your environment and having you feel certain symptoms such as these and you don't even know about it. So that's why I wanted to have my guest, Dr. Jill Krista, on the podcast to talk about this. She is author of Break the Mold, Five Tools to Conquer Mold and Take Back Your Health, a book for mold sickness sufferers. She's a nationally recognized educator on illnesses associated with mold and mycotoxin exposure. She was inspired by her patients to seek out the truth behind their mysterious and strange symptoms. Mold was often the invisible cause, and after an exhaustive review of the scientific literature, she developed a unique treatment approach, which built research findings onto the foundations of her naturopathic education and philosophies. She's been managing mold and mycotoxin ill patients for over a decade and feels compelled to share what she's learned. In this interview, Dr. Krista explains what symptoms to look for to know if you have been exposed to mold including signs that show up on your skin, and how to address both the mold in your environment and your home and the symptoms that developed and may be lingering after exposure. So she talks about how to address all of that in this interview. So please enjoy. Jill, it's so great to have you on my podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. Yeah, we went to school together and I haven't seen you in a while, but it's great to, to have you on my podcast and and hear more of what you're up to. I know you've been taught, we're talking a big focus today on mold and how it makes you feel crazy, lazy, and hazy. I, I, I like those words are great descriptors and I can definitely understand that. I've had some personal experience with mold as, as a child. I had mold exposure and so I'm very interested to hear from you about this really important topic that it is, it's a hidden thing for most people that they don't even know about. That's right. That's right. It can lurk without a trace or a scent. There's no smell if it's trapped behind building materials, there's no sign of it in in the house. And I'm exquisitely sensitive to mold when I can pick it up, but it has to be exposed to air in order to smell it. So it, if it's trapped behind some kind of building material, you could be dealing with chronic illness, health problems that don't really have a clear explanation, and it could be mold or water damage um, as the explanation. So thanks for helping me on my mission to educate people you know, I couldn't believe that one in four buildings in the United States has had enough water damage to grow toxic mold. That's amazing. Think about that. 25% of our population, we could extrapolate that a little bit, could be dealing with mold as the root cause of their chronic illness. So thanks. Yeah, I know. And it's, I, first I want to say something about mold because I think sometimes people think, well, it's, it naturally grows. So why, why is it so toxic? Because a lot of times when we talk about environmental toxicity, we're talking about chemicals, harmful chemicals that are basically they're man-made or that are um, things that are off-gassing or pesticides or things like that. But mold is something that naturally grows on its own that nature provides. So why is it so toxic? 
Right. And we're naturopathic doctors. We love nature. You know, you think we would be loving mold, but you know, you wouldn't live in a compost pile. Mold has its role on the planet and that is to recycle and reuse and decompose. So that we have specific places where we put things that we want to do that. We have compost piles. We have, you know, in our garden, we might turn things over so that we can get better um, richness in the soil and break down those materials. We don't want that in our home. We wouldn't live in our compost pile because it wouldn't be a healthy place for us to live. And the problem with our homes now, the way that we're building them, is they're very close to being digested already. We're using paper and we're using you know, materials that aren't necessarily, um, uh, they're not solid wood. They're things like was wood, as one of my um, teachers calls it. You know, It's already been broken down and pre-digested and then they glue it all together. So now you have two toxic environmental toxins. You've got the mold growing on that material because it's broken down already and you've got off-gassing from the adhesive. So, you know, I mean, our homes are not really conducive to being healthy environments anymore. And mold doesn't need frank or visible water to grow. It just needs moisture. So if you're at 50% or more inside your house and you have already pre-digested things on the way to the compost pile, building materials, then that mold says, hey, this is a great environment. I'll get to work doing what I'm supposed to do. So it isn't something that's bad to have on the planet. We actually need it. If you think about every time you've raked your yard, um, imagine if there was nothing there to, to decompose all of those leaves. You know, we would be living under piles of debris. So we need it. We just need it outside, not inside. <laughs> and then the other things that happens is that, especially here in Utah, we, you know, in, in Park City anyway, we have very sealed homes. So now you've got this combination of places where mold can grow and then we're sealing our home so that we we're staying warm in the winter but then we're trapping in that uh the those mold spores and by the way i remember when i moved from santa barbara california to Park City, Utah, I thought, oh, well, mold won't be an issue here. Yeah. And I realized pretty quickly from my learning from my patients that some of like there's some extremely toxic mold in a very dry climate. And I was shocked to hear that because I yeah. thought that would it was just like a problem at the at the beach, right? Um, right. Where there's right. or in Virginia where I grew up where it's humid. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, I live in the Midwest. It's extremely humid here, so that it's common to have problems. And we have everybody's finishing their basements to try to get more living space. So you know, we're finding a lot of mold here. But I grew up in Wyoming, and it's incredibly dry there. And I think in Park City, it's the same thing. The air is so dry in the winter time that then we add moisture in the winter to be able to tolerate being in that space. So there's a real fine line there of how much moisture to add so that your respiratory passages are hydrated and you don't get sick as often, those kind of things, but don't go overboard and you know manage the humidity so it's consistent. So if you know someone's gonna be taking a shower, turn the vent on every time and have good quality working vents, make sure that they're you know actually pulling the air and then run dehumidifiers in the, in the humid time of your season, whatever that season is. If you're going to make pasta, turn the vent on ahead of time, try to get a good flow and then start the pasta. So there's little things you can do. Well, let's let's back up for a moment and talk about because I want to talk more solutions in a moment. But let's talk about what are some, what does mold do to people's health? 
what what are what what exactly happens and what are some of these symptoms? I know we mentioned crazy, lazy, hazy, but let's let's delve more into that. <laughs> yeah, the symptoms are really tough with mold because it can look different in every single person. And that's I'm sure you've treated families where you know mold was the issue, but everybody had a a presentation of that mold illness that looked a little bit different. Um, so it is a multi-systemic. It affects almost every system in the body, and it has um, many different symptoms that it can create within those systems. So it could be, typically you see something respiratory, and the problem though with mold is that people associate it with only the spores. So mold allergy, creating sinusitis, creating hay fever, creating asthma. So that is one faction of mold, definitely. But where mold really gets us what, that we don't know is happening, the hidden problem of hidden mold is the toxins. So these are gases that the, the mold will secrete to compete with other molds and other bacteria that want to live in the same wonderful little property that you've created for it, you know, with our tight homes, high, high humidity and pre-digested materials. So it will start to grow there and then spit out these toxins like little gas bombs to try to compete with all of the other molds that want to live in the same material or same area. When that happens, those gases secrete through building materials. They'll come up through vinyl flooring. It comes through drywall. It comes through paint. So just painting over the problem doesn't make, it makes it look pretty, but it doesn't take the toxins away. And then you talked about those homes are super tight. Now we've just locked in those toxins into our living environment. So by breathing, in those toxins, now they will go, they go deep, deep, deep into the lungs, much deeper than spores can get. So they, when they get into that depth part of the lungs, they can absorb into our bloodstream and go anywhere. So we'll see things like it's a neurotoxin. These, these gases are neurotoxins. So you can see disruption of the nervous system, which might even just look like anxiety and sleep problems for somebody. Um, and they may not have any respiratory symptoms at all because the spores are still locked behind the building materials. They're also liver toxins. So someone, it's common for me to see chemical sensitivity. Um, maybe somebody didn't have any problem with candles before. They move into a new home. It has hidden mold and they react to the candles and they think the candles are the problem. Um, so the liver toxin also can disrupt the way that you process medications and um, can be carcinogenic. These toxins are also toxic to the kidneys. We see this a lot in pets who are eating pet food that is um, contaminated with mold toxin. They might not have mold on the food because they scraped the moldy food off, but the toxins are still in that food. And um, you can see pets as well as people for eating foods that have um, mycotoxins that you can see kidney damage. And I did have one in my book, I do talk about one patient who was 21 years old and had kidney disease. And, you know, the rest of his family had odd things as well. So, but nobody had the same presentation. That's what makes mold kind of scary for me. <laughs> and I did, I have created in practice because it is so diverse and so difficult to just nail down, oh, this is definitely mold. Um, I created a, a clinical tool, a questionnaire that helps to point the arrow toward mold probability so that we as practitioners and, you know, anyone can fill out this questionnaire so you can figure out, oh, maybe I might, this might be mold for me. Now, of course, as naturopathic doctors, we see 
you know, food sensitivities and, and poor lifestyle choices as being responsible for quite a bit of the disease that we see walk in our offices. But, you know, if you're dealing with an unknown, it's really tough to get on top of it. The other thing about those toxins is they, um, they winnow away at the lining of our respiratory passages and our digestive system and our bladders. So if you think about all the different ways that can look, um, if it's respiratory passages, if you're exposed to that toxin long enough, your lungs will actually re reassemble how they're made. So you'll get, um, you'll get people get like chronic pneumonitis. And again, a little thing might trigger it like grass pollen or um, goldenrod when the, you know, when the pollens come out, they'll react if they never reacted before and they just took a new job and there's been water damage at that building. Think mold, not the thing that the body's complaining about. That winnowing away of the digestive passages as well can cause food sensitivities where there wasn't food sensitivities before. It can cause ulcers. And again, it can create toxicity to the vital organs of the body. And the bladder, when it affects the bladder, you'll get overactive bladder. Those toxins as they sit in the bladder, especially for people that hold their pee long, the longer those are there, the more damage it can be done. And then even if you've you know, excreted that toxin, the bladder lining is still irritated. So it can look like overactive bladder or interstitial cystitis just from breathing the malt. That's quite a long connection, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's it is kind of one of those scary things. It's in it's and it can mimic other, you know, these kinds of symptoms and uh, disease processes can be uh, caused by other things too. And sure, um, yeah, I mean, I I remember I had a patient who had this cough that she, she it was like this little tickle that she always had and she just would you know uh she just we couldn't get rid of it and we tried a lot of different things and it w just wouldn't go away and then finally we I started asking her about her home and and we narrowed it down to mold and as soon as she moved out of that house it went away and it was just I mean it's just but it 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 wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. There were a lot of other things that I, I mean, and I'm being honest here, like I, what, I wasn't like a miracle worker and say, that's what it is right off the bat. It right. took us some time to figure that out. And I, I, I'm sure there are so many people that go down this path. So it's great that you created this quiz. So tell, tell, like, how did you create the quiz and how do people find it? And, and because I think that that kind of tool can help people, at least as a starting place, of, yes. of figuring out what exactly it is mold a possibility right right so there's a there's an easy online quiz that's on my website they can go right to drkrista.com and it's under the courses tab right now because it's it's explaining some of there are some free courses there for people to give them tools if they feel like they did they answered those quiz questions and it said yeah i think this is a mold problem then they have all kinds of resources there so that they know what to do. What are your first steps? Um, and then the longer form questionnaire is in my upcoming book, Break the Mold. Um, that one is a long, it's it's a longer, it takes a little more thought, a little more time. It's not, you know, extremely long, but it's a couple pages. And it it's a nice one to do if you think you have mold and then you start taking your steps, take it again and see how your score changes. It's amazing how little things, like you talked about this patient, she got out of the environment and she feels great. And that's actually kind of um, unusual because 
those molds from the building can move into your sinuses and into your gut. And then you're carrying it with you everywhere you go. And so some people who get out of the environment, that's not enough. They still need treatment. Well, and maybe it's because it was early enough, early <laughs> enough that we caught it before it turned into some other health issue. And so, um, yeah. So what are some of the things that people should look for in their home I, or, or things that might clue them in to like some of the things you ask on your quiz? Um, the quiz doesn't necessarily cover home things. The quiz is more about symptoms, um, and it has symptoms categorized by a more common, not necessarily connected to mold. And then the second section is, yeah, a little more severe, a little more connected to mold. And then the third section is high severity and and or clear connection to mold illness. Um, so I don't really go into any building things on the on the questionnaire. It's mainly about the body. Okay. And so you talk about skin as um, one of the symptoms, right? That. Uh, so tell, yeah. tell everybody, because, you know, of course, I have big skin focus, though, so when people hear that, they're probably like, well, I wonder if this is part of my, one of my root causes for, for my skin issues. So, so explain to people what those might look like. So those toxins I talked about where mold is secreting them into your air, it also can secrete them into, it, let's say that it's in your air and then the air has humidity and they fall to the floor and you're walking around with bare feet. Some of our most absorbable places on our body, hands and feet. So you can take them into your body, not just breathing them, but you can also take them in through your skin. And then the body wants to try to get rid of them. And one of the ways it does that through our, what, what we've been trained, emunctories, which is the, the excretion routes out of the body, one of the easiest ones is our skin. And so I think that's why your program works so well is, you know, you have someone clean up their inside, clean skin from within, you know, you clean up the inside of your body and it doesn't have to be pushing all of that junk out through the skin. But if they're doing all of what you're recommending and they're using nice, clean products, because that's another, as we both know, it's another reason why a lot of people have skin issues. Um, so they're, they've got a clean body, they're using clean products, and they're still having skin manifestations. Then we go looking for other causes. Of course, some of those causes could be food sensitivities. Some of those causes could be other environmental illnesses. But mold is one of them that particularly is a skin um, I was going to say mess her upper because that's the easiest way I can think of because it can look like so many different things. It can look like ruddiness. Maybe you just have more little cherry spots or spider veins. Maybe you have a rash, a frank rash, a true mold poisoning. Your skin will actually start to slough. Um, sometimes it looks like eczema. So we don't really know. That's why I call it the mess her upper because there's no little title that we can put on there that says, oh, yeah, that's mold. Definitely. But I think that should be on the, the decision tree if somebody is doing everything that you're recommending, they're using clean products, and they still are having some kind of skin reaction. Yeah, so of course, skin, skin reactions can look like a lot of different things, but this is definitely one of the things to look at. Okay. Yeah. And what, what is the difference between a, a mold allergy and more just mold exposure that leads to symptoms? Right. That's a great question. So mold makes you sick with its spores and its toxins. So mold illness is a much bigger um, umbrella than just the spore reaction, which is mold allergy. If you're having a mold allergy, you're reacting to the proteins on the spore. Um, if you're having a mold allergy, you're most likely also having a toxic 
illness from the mold, from the mycotoxins, because now we know the spores are out and about. They could also be um, breaking up into little fragments, and those are really um, highly reactive and increase your allergic potential. So again, someone might be reacting to pollens or grasses or trees, and they never have before, but they've had exposure to water damage. It's the mold allergy that's really making them um, highly reactive. So allergy is just a teeny tiny piece of all of the mold illness because the rest of it, I would say three quarters or more is toxin. It's environmental toxin illness. So then people want to, to address this, like you said, um, just getting out of the house or just fixing the mold problem isn't always enough. And of course you want to take care of, of your environment. You want to either, if it's really bad, get out, um, maybe move somewhere else if you can, if it's, you know, something you have to take care of, of course you want to try and get rid of the mold. And, uh, I'm sure that's a whole other issue, but, um, you know, if you have, uh, any tips on where people can go to, because I don't mean, that is a thing. Like who are, who are the oh, people yeah. you're going to call in and say, Hey, can you fix this? Or can you assess my home to, mm -hmm. um, to have that mold removed? So do you have any tips on that before we move on to? Yes. Yeah. Um, definitely call in the experts. This is, it's a, a incredibly insidious, Think about mold. It's been on the planet longer than we have. It has figured out how to survive in our bodies. It knows how to do this. Um, the experts, like we are for a body, they are for a building. Sometimes it's not really clear what you need to do or what you need to test, which test to choose, what material to grab. Do we drill into the wall or don't we? You know, these are people that have been trained to think of a building like we think of bodies. So you'll want to look for an inspector, which is different than your remediator. So you don't want your remediation company doing your testing because they don't have, it's a conflict of interest. One in three remediations in my area need to be redone because they either didn't take enough material or they tried to um, spray it to kill it instead of removing the problem. Um, or they're also under financial pressure from the homeowner to say, you know, to only disrupt the tiniest bit that you can, you know, and that's the thing. I think if it's mold, go for it, do it once, you know, it's disruptive, just do it once and get it done with. Don't have to have them come back more times. Um, so the remediators though, if they say, don't worry, you don't need to get an inspector, we'll do the pre and post testing. That's to me a conflict of interest because if they did not do a good enough job, if their guys weren't trained and they ended up with still lower, but still too high of a spore count and mycotoxin count to be healthy for you, they may not sound the alarm. Whereas an inspector, they've been trained in this. So you want to find an inspector that's been certified and then have your inspector recommend your remediation company and have those two companies work together on your behalf to create a healthy environment for you. Okay, so, so certifications you want to look like are like yes, certifications. Yeah, what do you search yeah, for? Yeah, you want to look for a building biology certified person that's BBEC or an ACAC or an IICRC, and again, those are all in my book. It, all of the connections there, so that you can find somebody that's good for you. And I do have resources in the book that where people that I have worked with on behalf of patients all over the country. Um, that really know what they're doing. They're really on top of it. And they're a great resource for finding a remediation company because they know who's doing the best work in their area.
Right. And this is particularly if you're having symptoms and you've tried other things and it's not working, then maybe this is something you want to look at. Or if you've had water damage in your home, you know the history of a water damage and are concerned that maybe there's something that you don't see, right? Or maybe you even see mold and you're like, what is this? And yeah. is, or is this little, these little black specks or this black in the, on the edge of my, you know, inside of my, you know, ceiling is that, is that mold? Then you, you know, these would be the kind of reasons, right? That you would want to get an inspection. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing is that when mold gets disrupted, it gets more toxic. So if mold starts to feel threatened, the level of mycotoxin production goes up through the roof. It will literally fill many balloons full of mycotoxins a day. And your lungs and your liver and your kidneys, everything, your skin, that all has to process that out. So someone who's trained in the testing also knows how to test it and protect you and keep you safe while the results are in or coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, mm -hmm. so, so now let's talk about it from the health angle and treatment. What, what are the kinds of things that you do to help people that where you know that mold is an issue with their health? Right. They've so gotten out of the home, they've fixed it or whatever, but now you got to still treat the symptoms, right? That's right. Yeah. And I would say just one more note on remediation. Make sure that your company is remediating the mycotoxins because they've already seeped into your building materials. There are many, many people who had to let go of possessions, things that were absorbable. No one wants to hear that. It's like, a la, 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 you know, don't tell me that. But if it's something that's going to make you sick, it's better to have an empty house that is just studs than to be living in a gorgeous house that you've covered everything up and you feel terrible. Then you're spending all the money on health costs. So you're better off to truly clean it up and also manage those mycotoxins. And there are air filters that go down to the mycotoxin level, go down to the point, 0 0.1 micron or lower. And that's what you want to use after you've remediated to make sure you've gotten those mycotoxins out. And again, you may check with that, that sort of that inspector. They may say, nah, you know, it's better to let go of this, whatever it is, because it's probably loaded with mycotoxins and trust yourself. If you've been out of the environment, you feel better, and you get back in the environment and you don't, something's still off and trust it. So what the, the approach that I take is we've both been trained by the amazing Dr. Walter Crinian, and he says, you know, the first three rules of an environmental or toxic exposure are avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. So if you haven't gotten out, you're not going to get better. And just filtering the air instead of remediation is not going to work. You know, filtration is not an not a replacement for good remediation. It's supposed to help protect you during and after the remediation, but not not a remediation. So that's where I start. I think of it as a as an orange. You know, you've got to peel two layers completely, and then there are sections in the middle that you pick and choose what's good for your case. Like I said, everyone is a little genetically different in how they react to mold. And different molds create different problems. Certain mycotoxins go to the brain, and they create almost like an Alzheimer's dementia. Some mycotoxins go more to the liver. And if you have had Epstein-Barr virus, it will actually reactivate that virus. And so you have a combination of liver toxicity and, and Epstein-Barr fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome, with liver problems. So, you know, each mycotoxin sort of that's the nice thing about testing, too, because now you know what you're dealing with and which organ system you need to support. So that orange, the outer orange 
part is the avoidance layer. There are, it's not just avoiding your environment, but avoiding foods that can make it worse. We've been trained on anti-candida diets. That holds really true for mold toxicity as well because they're both in the fungus family. So avoidance through your foods, through your beverages, alcohol, can't do it. You know, it will just grow a bunch more candida and mold in your body. Kombucha can be hard for some people. People that have had mold toxicity can't really tolerate kombucha. Um, so avoiding foods, beverages, medications, and supplements that can make it worse. For some people, antibiotics make them incredibly sick. And that's because antibiotics are mold toxin. That's how it was discovered. A big old thing of mold is growing on a piece of bread, and there was this bacteria-free ring around it, and that was a mycotoxin-laden area of that piece of bread. And that's the part we take and we make into antibiotics. Some probiotics are hard for people with mold toxicity. Saccharomyces boulardii, which we usually use for rebalancing an irritable bowel syndrome, that can be pretty tough for somebody with mold toxicity. Normally these things are fine, but if you've had mold toxicity, you can't tolerate it. So avoidance of things going in your body, avoidance of things around your body, so your moldy environment, you need to get out of that. So that trying to think of, of the habits, the hobbies, the environment, the foods, the beverages, that outer orange layer, the orange is avoidance. And then the inner white layer, that, that kind of fluffy white layer, I think of as the fundamentals. Those are the naturopathic fundamentals that we talk with people. Are your, are your excreting systems working? Are you pooping? Are you peeing? Can you sweat? Are you drinking enough water so that that whole thing works? Are you getting enough fiber so that whole thing works? So the fundamentals of naturopathic care. Um, I call it the health hokey pokey. <laughs> you put the air in. You breathe the air out. And then you move the air all about by moving your body. You know, you put the water in. Let the water go out because if you hold it, those mycotoxins are going to hurt your bladder. And then you move water about by sweating. You put food in that's good for you. You keep the food out that's bad for you and make sure that you're able to excrete that food, move the food through. So the, the little health hokey pokey is <laughs> it's like being a naturopathic doctor. It's easy. You just have somebody do the health hokey pokey. <laughs> and then the sections on the inside are things like protecting those organ systems, repairing the systems that have been broken, and then fighting the mold. But don't fight the mold until you have those protections and those repairs in place, or you can get a lot worse. And I don't know about you, I've, I've made many patients worse trying to go right for the mold right away and not setting the stage and getting everything prepared. Yeah, no, I think that that's so important. I mean, it's you know, we've had people on talking about even things like hormone replacement therapy. You can't just go straight into bioidentical hormones or any kind of treatment without mm -hmm. supporting the body overall. Anytime you're doing, you know, a kind of a an intense treatment, you want to make sure your the body is ready for that and supported. Yeah. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's amazing. And I, you've got a book coming up that's coming out soon that you're gonna you lay all this out in, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, because it is complex. And when you have mold toxicity, you are hazy. That's one of the crazy, lazy, hazy. It's, you know, you're crazy. You're not crazy, but you feel crazy because you have these symptoms that only you can feel and nobody can figure out what's causing them. So you feel like a hypochondriac. And especially if you're genetically wired to be more sensitive to mold, you can feel crazier than the people around you because they can be like, what's the problem? You know, Ah, it's a little musty in our basement. 
doesn't bother me. Well, they're probably genetically wired differently. And then lazy with, with the fatigue, the intolerance to exercise, people can't tolerate the acidity that exercise creates when they have mold toxicity. And then the hazy is you actually get brain fog and like I said, the Alzheimer's looking kind of dementia. And so if you have all that going on and somebody hands you, okay, you need to do you know, this whole long list of things, it's not going to happen. So take it a step at a time, peel the orange, just one step at a time. Every little thing that you do will make a difference. And then if you fill out that questionnaire as you go, it's a good way to remember, oh my gosh, that's right. I had that and I don't have that anymore. You can absolutely get better from mold sickness. Well, I mean, that's the good news. It, I, I know I know we started off like really scaring everybody about mold, but that's the good news. We're ending with the good news is, is that you can address this. You can treat this. And I, I love to hear that you, you have a book because I think a lot of times people think, oh, I have to try um, and find somebody, find a doctor that specializes in this, which I still think is important, but at least people can have some information that they can start with before going in to see someone like yourself or another uh, doctor who works a lot with mold exposure and treatment. Oh. Right. Yeah, because there aren't very many around that, that know. So get, get it started. If you're better, great. And if you're not, then at least all of the homework is done that you were going to do with that doctor anyway, and it can save you in you know, time feeling miserable and money and, you know, looking around for somebody that knows what mold is all about. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll have the, um, the link up to, to your website, to get your book, to your, your quiz and all of that. Anything else yeah. you want to share with people before we end? Just if somebody's not up for getting the book and they won't just want the questionnaire, send me an email. They can email me through my website and we'll we'll send that questionnaire out because I want people to get help. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Jill, thank you yeah. so much for your information today. Really Thanks. appreciate it. And excited about your book. Thanks. Thanks. It's nice to see you, Trevor. Thanks for this opportunity. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Jill Krista and got some more understanding about what mold can do in your in your home and in your health. And did it make you think during the interview that you might you might know someone or maybe it's your own home where this might be an issue? Well, if so, you can find out more about Dr. Jill Krista by going to thespotdoctor.com. Go to the podcast page with their interview and you'll find all the information there. This information in the podcast is, is meant to inform you, to educate, to help you then take the next step to learn more if this interests you, if these topics interest you, or maybe you think that this is playing a role in your own health. And while you're at thespotdoctor.com, I encourage you to, to join our community. I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming shows. You can join the community there. Also, if you haven't taken the skin quiz, I encourage you to do that too. Just go to theskinquiz.com and find out what your skin might be trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it. Also, you can join me on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube and join the conversation. And I'll see you next time on the Spot Doctor Podcast. Mm -hmm.